Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Grab some, refre some refreshments and come and join us up at the front. Let's stand and sing together. Surely the presence of the Lord. Of the Lord. Good to see everybody this morning. It's really good to have our visitors here and the people who've um, taken a couple of weeks off. We're glad you're back, and we're um, glad to see everybody this back, and we're um, glad to see everybody this morning. Let's sing again together. We prepare our hearts for worship. Yeah. 
glad to be here in the mornings. Another song that kind of touches, touches my heart and convicts me every time is this song, Sit With You A While. Let's sing this together. When I cannot feel When my wounds don't heal Lord, I humbly need Hidden in you Lord, you are my life, so I don't mind to die, just as long as I am hidden in you. If I could just sit Just hold me Nothing Could just hold me. 
for a few moments. Good morning. Stop, please. Hey, guys. I'm going to talk to you guys because they're being too loud out there. This morning, I'm going to talk to you. Remember last week I brought a puppet? Does anybody remember? Yeah. Do you remember what kind of puppet it was? A lion. A lion. And we talked about um, who was in the lion's den. Does anybody remember? Who was in the lion's den, Carson? What was this, that boy's name? Do you remember? Joseph. Not Joseph. Daniel. Daniel was in the lion's den. Well, today I want to talk about another cool story from the Bible about another guy. And this guy's name, wait, wait, wait. Not yet, not yet. This guy's name is Jonah. And I got this neat little book about Jonah. And I was reading it last night, um, and I learned a lot of things about Jonah. Jonah was a guy who he talked to God, and um, God was telling Jonah lots of things to do. And you know what? Jonah didn't listen. He didn't listen to God. And he tried to run away from God. So he got on a big boat, and he went out into the water. But when he was in the water, a big storm came. And all the people on the boat, they got really worried. And Jonah said, you know what? It's me, guys. It's me. I'm causing this big storm because God's mad at me because I ran away. Why don't you just throw me over the boat? Yeah, there was a storm last night, wasn't there? Yeah, and it, storms are very scary. So all the people on the boat were very scared. So Jonah said, it's me. I ran away from the Lord. So why don't you just throw me in the water and the storm will stop. So they did. They threw Jonah in the water. But the story gets better. You know what happened next? A big, 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 big fish came. And you know what that fish said? Don't laugh at this fish, okay? This is a big, big fish. See the tail? That makes it look like a fish, right? Okay, a big, 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 big fish came. Where's my Jonah, Caroline? Uh-oh. Okay. And the big, 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 big fish swallowed Jonah. And he went right into his tummy. And he was in there for days. And while he was in there, he thought, oh, goodness, what have I done, Lord? I know I've done something wrong now. I've run away from you, and now I'm in the belly of this big fish. So he said, okay, God, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll thank you for all the things that you've given me. Please forgive me from running away from you. And so you know what happened? 
the big fish spit him back out. And Jonah was on the land again, and he went and did what God told him to do, okay? The one thing that was really cool about this book is it's got this thing in the back about the things that we can learn from this story. Listen to this. It says, first of all, we must obey what God tells us to do. Then I learned God's everywhere. We can't hide from his view. Even if you get on a ship and try to run away, God's still going to find you. He knows where you are. I also know that when we're bad and as sorry as can be, God has mercy and has pity and, for, and forgives us lovingly. So when Jonah asked for forgiveness, he got forgiveness from God. Pretty cool story, huh? Yeah. Do you think it really, could really happen? It would be really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's say a prayer. Close your eyes for me. Dear Lord, thank you for forgiving us and having mercy on us when we come to you and ask you for forgiveness. Help us to obey everything that you tell us to do. In your name I pray. Amen. Are the children here? We're going to have the blessing of the book bags today, right? Back to school. Are you wearing some back to school clothes? Are the other children here? No more. No more. Okay. If there are other older children would like to come forward for prayer, that's okay. Um, who's, going to, who's going to kindergarten this year? Me. You are too? <clears throat> well, who, who are some of our teachers that are going back to school this week? There's one. Good. Come on up. Teachers, we'd like to invite you to come forward too. This is a prayer for teachers as well. <clears throat> Huh? Oh, you're going to Sunday school. That's not okay. <clears throat> you don't have to sit down, adults, if you would like not to. <clears throat> Some are not looking forward to it, I think. <clears throat> This uh, blessing of the book bags is Lee's um, uh, idea, um, and certainly a wonderful one, and she has helped me too with this prayer that I want to say for us all. This is a very beautiful prayer that someone has written. I don't know who. I'd love to give credit, but let us pray together. O oh Lord, our God, when you wanted to tell us about your love and your truth, you sent a special teacher to us. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, as a student, grew in wisdom. As a teacher, he was patient with slow learners. He taught by example, by modeling. He used many diverse methods, particularly stories. But above all, Jesus' life and teaching agreed with each other. Help us, Lord, as students and teachers to search passionately for the truth, to study for love of learning and not simply to pass exams, to do our best not just to please our teachers or superiors, but because we are serving you, Lord. You have commissioned us to go into all the world and teach all that you've commanded us, and so help us to know your commands well, to practice them, and then to pass them on to others. And so when we meet you face to face, when we're given a grade for our lives, may we hear your voice saying to us, well done, good and faithful student. Well done, good and faithful teacher. 
enter into the joy of your Lord. And we pray as we dedicate ourselves afresh to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you very much. We pray for your good luck and, and success this year. It is good to see all of you here today. We're glad that you're worshiping with us and <clears throat> hope that you will uh, be back to worship with us on many future occasions. If you are a first-time visitor, we want to invite you to take one of our mugs back there uh, that has some information stuck down inside about our different Sunday school classes. And uh, we, we invite you to take those. Uh, others uh, who are not first-time visitors who would like a mug can drop a tin spot in the place back there and take one. That'll be good, too. They're nice cups. So we appreciate Daryl for getting these for us. Um, to this afternoon, this evening, is the ice cream social. Uh, please don't forget about that. 5.30, um, that will be very good. Um, let's see, two weeks from today is fifth Sunday, and our youth will be sharing with us during the Sunday School Hour their mission trips <clears throat> from this summer, and uh, they will be in charge of the fifth Sunday Sunday school hour, so we hope that you will be here for that. The United Methodist women are taking pre-orders for their cookbook, um, and so those are available. The, the ordering slips are available around here, and we invite you to get one of those and place your order for, um, for these cookbooks. I want to also give you an opportunity to share prayer requests that you might have today. Um, if you would lift your hand so we can see where you are and we're, we will get you cards from our ushers. Um, we also will be passing around in a few moments the registry of attendance form. We invite you to, to give us some information if we don't already have it, such as your email address, if you'd like to get some notices through email from us, um, and also your address. <clears throat> We've had a few folks this week who have uh, been in the hospitals. Aggie Glenn was briefly in the hospital for some tests, and she's doing fine. Karen Pridgen, um, who attends our 11 o'clock service regularly, who is the bionic woman, had yet another joint replaced. I think this is like fifth or sixth. Uh, her hip this time, and will be recovering at home for quite some time, is as she recovers from this surgery. Are there other announcements we need to share together? Wednesday, thank you. Mark is my, my, my prompter this morning, teleprompter. <clears throat> Wednesday is our potluck dinner, which means bring some food for you and your family. And uh, come here about six o'clock for supper. And uh, then we will also be having the men's Bible study, which started last week will be continuing and youth of course have their usual activities Thursday <laughs> Mark's gonna come make these now oh, Thursday is the United Methodist men at uh, Fuddruckers yes okay <clears throat> while you're finishing up your prayer request let me tell you about a dear a dear soul uh, some of you folks who are lifelong uh, attenders of the church have been here a long time know this person, Mary Hayes. 
dear Mary is at, at the cottages and has been in bad health all year following some bad falls at home. Her back has been in such terrible shape she hadn't really felt like much. <clears throat> but she's turned a corner and really seems to be enjoying life again. I found her sitting up in the open area there at the cottage where she is. And uh, I passed this word on to you from Mary. Not only did she say hey to everyone, but she said to me in that wonderful Mary Hayes voice, she said, uh, my sitter reads your sermons to me. And I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she said, well, yes, but the last one was very good. Very, very good. And I said, well, thank you. And then Mary said, who wrote it? Good old wit of Mary Hayes that blesses us all. And I know she'd love to see you sometime out there at the cottages. Are you ready with your, uh, your prayer cards? If you are, would you hold them up and our ushers will gather them in? Jimmy, would you hold on to your pacifier, please? <clears throat> Let us pray together. We thank you, Lord, that as we get to know what Jesus is like, we get to know what God, his Father, and our Father is like. And we find in him the most complete revelation of who God is. Jesus is the most complete expression that we'll ever see and so help us to see that clearly and to understand your great love for us here are our special prayers for this day we pray for Claudette Inners who has who had a double mastectomy and is recovering well we pray for troops in harm's way their families and loved ones we pray that you would uh, Show your presence and make yourself uh, close to Judy Harris's father as he goes through tests today. We pray for a good diagnosis for a daughter and guidance for the doctors that uh, someone will see this week. We pray for a marriage. We pray for our son Ted diagnosed with cancer, for friends, uh, for a friend's daughter who is suffering with alcoholism and a friend who is battling uh, breast cancer, a friend going through separation, and especially her three children. We pray for healing and comfort for Mike Berg and Carl Reinick, also for five-year-old Gracie who has lymphoma. And we pray for students and teachers and administrators as they start school this week. We pray for Watson Harbert, a seven-year-old recovering from a bike wreck. We pray for teachers and students returning to school, for Marsha Reimer, who had surgery and is recovering. We pray for our Methodist men and the Bible study group and pray that God will energize and help us to continue to conform to his will. These are our prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament <clears throat> from Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Here ends the lesson. My sermon title, It's the Doggone Truth. When I was 10 years old, I was playing backyard baseball with my friends one day, as we did every day. Eric, a seven-year-old boy in the neighborhood, was on third base, which I think was my dog's house, you know, the edge of the doghouse, third base. First base was the gutter at the corner of the house. Uh, but anyway, Eric was on third base or on the doghouse when a batter on his team got a base hit. And Eric just stood there. And so I hollered, run home, Eric, run home. A few minutes later, someone managed to raise the question, where's Eric? Where'd he go? Well, he had run home to his mama. He thought that's what I was telling him to do. He didn't understand home was a base. Human communication is a, is a fascinating thing. The origin of that word communication means to make common. It means to share ideas with each other in such a way that that transmission occurs where you understand uh, identically what the person was trying to tell you. And that's very, very hard to happen. Only 7% of human communication is done through our words because words are understood differently by different people. A speaker can choose the wrong word to express his idea. Like this, hair and hair. Uh, some of you would look good with a hair on your head if it was a rabbit. <clears throat> but uh, you might not hear the word correctly. We color our language, too, with colloquialisms. Uh, we beat around the bush. We paint the town. 
We know more than one way to skin the cat. Poor kitty. Often we use our words metaphorically instead of literally. When we only have written words, we have only what I call two-dimensional thought. We don't know if we get, we're, are getting the same common understanding with the writer of what they intended. Words that we hear are a little more helpful because 38% of human communication occurs in voice tone and inflection. My grandfather was John Burns Cannon Sr. His son was John Jr. And yes, there was a John III. But my granddaddy said he could always tell who my grandmother was calling because her voice tone let it be known. She was either saying, John, John, or John. You know, you kind of know these things. A friend of mine who works at the Pentagon is married to a beautiful lady from China. He says that the same Chinese word can mean life or death depending on the voice inflection used in the Chinese language. And so it's very important in a family discussion to be very careful about your voice inflection when you're either hoping someone is alive or dead. 7% of communication is by words. 38% is by voice tone and inflection. That leaves a 55% void in our communication that depends on us knowing each other and being able to read each other's body language and know one another's personality. Three-dimensional communication depends on this. It helps us to know our speaker. We judge the trustworthiness of what is said by our trust that we place in the speaker. But we really need to get to know the speaker very well or else we will come to believe those 10-second sound bites that one candidate throws up on the television screen to make, their, to make their opponent look so foolish. Don't you know that it was absolutely essential for my children to get to know me so that they would understand the meaning of my craziness and crazy words? By the time my son was 10, he knew that I was just joking and that I meant that I was too busy to do something with him at that particular moment when I would say to him, why don't you go outside and play on the interstate highway? Thank goodness he knew I was joking. How tragic it would be if he had taken my words literally. All this is by way of introduction to the story about Jesus and the Canaanite woman. But my words really apply to all passages in the Bible. It isn't enough just to memorize the words or to even just to know them, you're only getting 7% of the message when that's true. It's so important that we immerse ourselves in the Bible and in Christian fellowship so that we get to know the God who spoke the words, who inspired the words, and the Lord who gave his life for us. Uh-oh. Ah, there he is. The Bible needs to become a three-dimensional document to us whereby we understand the voice inflections and attitudes of the God who is behind the words. One of our hymn writers said this so well when he wrote the words, 
Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. To properly understand the Bible, we need to form a relationship with God. And that's where Christian fellowship is so very helpful. I get to know what God is like from his children, you. There are many Christian people whose harsh, unforgiving, ungracious attitudes show that they have spent lots of time, perhaps, in studying the words of the Bible like someone would understand a code of law, but their harsh attitudes show that they haven't taken time to know God who spoke those words or the living word, Christ. But you know when you're in the presence of someone who knows both the words and the heart and mind of God, all of life and all of the Bible needs to be viewed through the prism of Jesus' life. Thing is given out on me. In the story of the Canaanite woman, Jesus had traveled to the border between Syria and Galilee. It was also the border between Jew and Gentile and between saint and sinner. Canaanites were descendants of the pagan tribes that had occupied the promised land before the Israelites arrived. They were considered unclean by the religious folk from Jerusalem because they didn't eat right and they didn't live right. A very desperate woman approached Jesus because her daughter was severely mentally ill, perhaps a victim of epilepsy. This made her an outcast among her own people because it was believed in those days that such illnesses were caused by demon possession. The woman came to Jesus because she'd heard all about him and how he could perform miracles, how he was a man of grace and compassion who didn't judge people on the basis of their race or their past. Jesus was therefore her last hope. We can see just how desperate she was by the fact that she was creating quite a commotion, repeatedly yelling, yelling, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me over and over again. But Jesus ignored her completely. Now, based upon our relationship with Jesus, how are we to understand his silence in this situation? He absolutely ignores her, continuing to walk away from her as she persistently pursues him. How are we to understand that? It would be a mistake to assume that Jesus doesn't care for her. It's a mistake when you and I think that God doesn't care about us. It would be a mistake to assume that Jesus didn't consider this woman worthy of his help just as it is a mistake when you and I think that we or some other human being is unworthy of God's help and love. It would be a mistake to take Jesus' words literally when he does finally speak and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Here we go. Let me explain why it would be a mistake. First of all, here Jesus is traveling outside the boundaries of Israel, preaching and teaching. 
Hadn't anybody noticed how absurd his words were to say he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel? If he's not in Israel, if he's already gone outside the country, what's he doing? He obviously is including more than just the lost sheep of Israel. And he had already healed the servant of a Roman centurion, an enemy soldier occupying the homeland. If Jesus' mission was limited to Israel's lost sheep, what's he doing up where he is with the Canaanite people? By the truth of his actions and the absurdity of his words, Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and others just how all-encompassing his love really is. Secondly, do you really think that Jesus thought that this Canaanite woman was just a dog or that he would be so rude as to call her that to her face? How are we to understand his words in light of the Christ we've come to know, the one who loves everybody? If Jesus didn't really literally mean these words, then why did he say them? Well, it seems obvious to me that the, that the teacher Jesus was using the, this opportunity to teach all those around him. Jesus did not consider this woman to be a dog, less than human and unworthy of God's love. But he was surrounded by people who did think of her in those terms. This woman was a nuisance to the disciples. They wanted to send her away to get rid of her. The people who had followed Jesus from Judah to the border area with Syria did consider this woman to be an unclean, mangy dog and worthless. Dr. R.C. Hofler at the seminary that I attended told us that Jesus had been hearing the whispers as people complained about this loud woman. He heard what names they were calling her, and so when Jesus called her a dog, he was only repeating the very words he had heard them saying about her. Perhaps Jesus was attempting to shock that crowd into seeing their hypocrisy and self-righteousness by daring to use a slanderous word that they didn't think he'd heard them say. Oh, I love it when I'm somewhere and I'm the preacher and somebody says something that they don't, they don't know I'm a preacher. Oh, I have so much fun. It's very possible that Jesus, the teacher, was looking at the crowd that day and not the woman when he said, I've only been sent to the house of Israel, to the lost sheep. And it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to this dog. If that's true, then Jesus had just challenged those who thought that God's arm reached no farther, farther than the righteous people of Israel, this woman seemed to understand completely what Jesus was doing. She knew that the Jesus that she'd heard about would not harbor such harsh attitudes toward her or anyone. Her response showed both faith and humility when she said, well, even dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. She had grown accustomed to being treated like a dog by the good, saintly people, so she wasn't offended. She doesn't ask for a higher rung in society. She's content with her humble situation. She trusts in Jesus and his goodness. I'll gladly accept the scraps that fall from my master's table, she says. 
What a faith-filled response. When you and I come humbly before the Lord, kneeling before him, not claiming that we deserve anything from him, because after all, we tend to treat him and everybody else like a dog. And when we receive, when we're content to receive the scraps that fall off of his table, Jesus responds to that kind of faith and humility. The woman might have been a foreigner and a person of poor reputation, but she loved her child and she would have done anything to save her child. Therefore, she understood that the love that God feels for his children must be like her love for her daughter. She therefore knew she could count on Jesus, not because she deserved it, but because God was a God who loved his children. God was a God of grace. She knew how to see life and God through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus is the prism through which life, love, God, and scripture can rightly be understood. The most important use of our time is in Christian fellowship with Christ and his followers so that we might get to know him. As Paul wrote to the Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Would you stand and let's join together in affirming our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, of our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, is 
filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. We chopped a few verses. Okay. May you go forth in peace and may you walk with Jesus and help Him, or rather may He help you to interpret life through His eyes. Amen. God will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of God's hand. Have a great week.